Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at BTOsports.com and click the Amazon banner on PulpMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, Season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX Podcast Toronto Supercross Wrap-Up. BTOsports.com, proud sponsors of the BTO Sports KTM team with Short and Gerke. Anything you need for your bike or body Go to btosports.com, use the code PULPMX to save yourself some money on checkout on uh, most of the items that they sell. And uh, go ahead, if you're shopping for tires, go look around, surf the web, and see what you can do. And then go back to btosports.com because their tire prices are unbeatable. Unbeatable, I say. And uh, so thanks very much for uh, those guys for coming on board. And, of course, this podcast is presented by Fox Racing, the global innovation leader for motocross racewear. They continue the relentless pursuit, JT, to innovate and elevate. Check out their full line of 2014 products. Uh, Instinct Boot, V4 Helmet, Airspace Performance Goggle, 360 Racewear. They got youth sizes that go along with their adult stuff. And uh, for more information, check out foxhead.com or visit your lo- local authorized Fox dealer. Brock Tickle, Ken Roxon, Ryan Dungey, just a few of the guys that wear Fox Racing. Uh, Damon Bradshaw also wore Fox Racing, and he ruled. All right, Toronto Supercross wrap-up. Let's get right to a couple of guys, three guys this week, uh, Brand new addition to the show. But first, let's get to the RacerX online editor and my boss, Jason Wygant. Yeah! Also on the line, somewhere in the middle of America, hawking fly racewear to uh, dealers everywhere, the Jason Thomas. What's going on? Thanks for coming on and joining us for this special podcast, a four-way, the uh, host of Supercross Live um, on supercrossonline.com. It's the uh, streaming show. With practice uh, alongside Jimmy Holly, Kevin Barnett. What's up, Kevin? Hey, thanks for having me on, Steve. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. We've been trying to uh, do this for a little while, and uh, nobody's schedules seem to match. But hey, they finally do. They finally converge. Um, yeah, right on. Glad to be here, and I'm, I'm in Redondo Beach, just so everyone knows where everyone's at. Oh, great! Thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rubbing it in really is all that is. Redondo Beach, home of JMB back in the day. Oh yeah. Um, Kevin, first of all, uh, your job as the uh, the announcer for Supercross Live, alongside Jim Hawley, what's it like just just being alongside Jim Hawley? It's it's hilarious. It's it's honestly it's like a upper level college class on the history of motocross and Supercross. If there's somebody who's a team manager, used to be a rider, or was a team manager at one point, Jim knows. Everybody, right? So sitting next to him is a, an absolute blast, and being with him all day is kind of fun. And I, I, I tease him, call him the mayor of Supercross Town, because he just <laughs> walks around and knows absolutely everyone in the pits, the broadcast. I mean, he's been there forever. The man's a fixture. Yeah, World Supercross champion too, 1985. Yeah, I mean, he traveled the whole world, and then to hear his stories, some of which are airworthy, some of which aren't, is a lot of fun. Ah, <laughs> uh, Weege, probably uh, you worked alongside Jim. Uh, probably thirty percent airworthy and seventy percent non-airworthy. 
there really are two gyms. There really are two gyms. There's like the gym that everybody knows and the gym that everybody knows. <laughs> I used to be afraid, like he'd tell these stories, and um, I know you guys are well aware of the photo collection as well. And we always thought we, I always thought we'd get in trouble, like certain people. I'm like, oh, wait, this guy can't know this story. Jim, quiet down. Everybody's in on it. Everybody's right. in on it. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So um, whatever Jim does, everybody just smiles. And, Kevin, I'm glad you were there this weekend because uh, Paul Lindsay, a uh, good guy, friend of mine, does a good job. Um, they also tried another fill-in for you. But uh, I guess the ultimate compliment for you, Kevin, that you're doing a good job is my Twitter feed doesn't blow up with people who hate the guys who replace you when you're gone on uh, doing volleyball TV assignments. Uh, that is the measurement upon which I judge my, my job, is I just look at your Twitter feed and, and make sure that it's all okay. <laughs> Thank God you were there. I, I know if you're there very early on, trust me. <laughs> Those guys do a good job, but obviously the fans demand Kevin Barnett. They, they demand. Yeah, I think Jim and I just have a good rapport. We've been doing it for a couple of years now together, and I think the way he and Weege got into a groove back in the day, it's the same thing. We just mm-hmm. It makes for a good partnership, and... Uh, it's just a lot of fun for me to be at the races. People, I see stuff, and people give me grief about being a volleyball guy and not a moto guy. But um, I'm I'm a moto fan as a kid, and then kind of took a break, and then came back to it. And mm-hmm. uh, to be at the races every week is just a blast. Yeah, no doubt. Are you uh, going to be able to make the last ones, or do you have to miss some more? Nope, I'm in for the remainder. Oh, thank God, thank God. I don't have to hear about your Twitter feed is safe. Look, I like Paul Lindsay. I think he, he you know he knows his moto stuff. There's no doubt about it. But. Uh... People do not like him for on that on that show. There's a lot of angry people, and I don't know why because I've never watched it with Paul, so I don't know why. But they're angry. I think we just mentioned that if you measured your own self worth by what people say on the internet, it would be a pretty ugly situation for yourself. Yeah, probably a good point. Hey, um, so this weekend, uh, what was it like being that close to Ross Rollerball Peterson? <laughs> Ross was awesome, and he looks like he could still ride oh, he could. photos today. Oh, for sure. He beat JT, probably top 15 right now. Uh, I'm thinking podium speed. Okay, thank you. Yes. <laughs> but rollerball, it was good to see rollerball up there. Yeah, and you get a feel for how much of a legend he is there. Everybody coming up and saying hi to him, and, and I don't know how much he's around the races all the time. It, it seemed like a lot of folks were really happy to see him. No, he's not been around. That's his first race, yeah, forever, you know? So it was cool. It was cool. You guys brought him on the show. Uh, Holly made it happen, so that's awesome. Um, all right, let's get into Toronto a little bit. And depending on who you talk to, Weege, this seems like it's going to be the last Toronto uh uh, Kevin, did you hear anything about that? Uh, anything official from some of the powers that be? No, I asked the question. They said it's possible. I didn't hear anything definite. In other places, I've heard things that are definite. Here, it's still kind of up in the air as far as I know. Yeah, but Weege, I think it's gone, and that's a real shame. That's a real shame. Yeah, uh, the reason I heard, though, I think, there's just a, I think there's just a conflict, like a date conflict with another event at the building, so I don't think it's like they – the event's successful. I don't think there's even an argument at this point. I mean – they were going back when they were drawing 30,000 fans. Now they're getting almost 50. Yeah. I'm sure they'd like to go back. So from what I heard, maybe they miss a year because of a conflict, but then they'll be back again. I don't think the event's a failure, that's for sure. No, it's the best race of the year. Oh, yes, best race of the year. Well, I used to say that until we're going to be in New Jersey in a few weeks. That's already the best race of the year, already. Do you think there's any chance that the boss or John Bond shows up in New York? Any chance? I think it's a guarantee. Yeah, like they're just hanging out. They just go to the stadium. They just- Stay chill. I told you they're never together, though. No, no. No, right. you're either a Jovi guy or a Springsteen guy, just like you're either a Kessler or a Carson guy. No one's both. Yeah, no, it's it's a great theory you have. 
Uh, all right, let's get to Toronto. Um, uh, JT, that that's the James Stewart that we've seen glimpses of. We used to see all the time. We now we just see glimpses here and there. That might have been his best ride. Yeah, well, you know, I was pretty blown away when he came out and swept those four motos outdoors uh, a couple yep. a couple years ago. I was pretty blown away at that. But this is right up there. This was a very impressive ride. Yeah, this was uh, more more of dominance than I think we've seen from him. You know, I've seen him win races and yeah. all that kind of stuff, but he looked like he was on a, a different level than those guys on Saturday night, especially once he got going. You know, the, the opening laps weren't anything too crazy, but mm-hmm. he kind of found a groove there at, at some point, and, you know, he just basically sliced through everyone and, and pulled away at will. So even the, the four motos he swept outdoors, you know, Dungey was pressuring him pretty considerably mm-hmm. uh, that entire time. That really wasn't the case this weekend. He just seemed like once he found his lines and, and decided it was time to go, yeah, there was really nothing anybody could do about it. The the quad in the rhythm section, the triple-triple yep. before the finish, I think those were pretty impressive. But Brayton was doing that also. Weege, tip, tip of the advisor to Brayton. Uh, but uh, the roller section might have been the most impressive. Just a big wheelie, a wheel tap, and then three. He was killing guys there. JT. Oh, I thought you were asking Weege. No, um, no. Yeah, it, it was uh, pretty impressive. I think the the rhythm section wasn't really anything that, you know, g- guys had been doing that all day. So yeah. That wasn't mm-hmm. too crazy other than the fact that he was able to continue doing it as the track went away. Uh, the 3-3 that uh, Brayton was also doing was pretty pretty awesome, I thought. You know, mm-hmm. to be able to just pull that out when the track's gone at that point and you haven't done it, not you know, let alone once when you're, you know, basically able to size it up. Just in the heat of battle, you're just able to pull it out. Yeah. That's something that we see him do over and over, and I've written about it. I know other people have talked about it. It's just this ability he has to decide that an obstacle is doable, and whether he decides to try it once or not or just wait till the main event, he can pull that out and use it to his advantage, and mm-hmm. a lot of times people just don't have an answer for it. Yeah, it was something else. So he's won two in a row, JT. Does he – does he make it three this weekend? I mean, does he? I mean, is this something? Is this the start of something here? It's got to well, give him some confidence. You know, we, we've. Sorry, I didn't know somebody oh. cut in there. Um, we've seen this before. You know, going into um, Atlanta, uh, I thought that he had the same opportunity, and the points were much tighter then. Uh, everything was looking like he was going to get on a run. Mm-hmm. And he threw it away, you know, when he, when he had every, you know, everything lined up. He got the good start. Um, you know, he had the track dialed in. He had the fastest lap time by quite a bit. And he made that, that critical mistake. So I'm not really willing to say he's going to get on a run, but certainly with James Stewart, that capability is always there, especially now, now so that he looks like he's at 100% again. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, uh, Ryan Villapoto, we, we didn't know what he was going on. I mean, he, he put out a statement today. Did you see it, by the way, Kevin? Today, did you No, see I, I haven't seen it today, what uh, he said about what happened. I think I was just clicking on that before we started here. Yeah, he basically released a statement today. He said he just woke up with, you know, we were told it was stu- uh, food poisoning, and uh, I think that's been eliminated from the causes. He just had enormous stomach pain, it sounds like. Um, but uh, we didn't really know what he was going to do all day. We, it was bizarre to not ride any of the practices and then uh and then just come out and get his sixth 
that was uh, that was pretty impressive. Yeah, extremely impressive. And Jim and I were talking about all day, where do you think he would finish if he's going to show up at all? And we were kind of following you guys since we had heard it early on in the day that he wasn't going to be there. And I think Jim had him ninth. I had him a little further back based on stomach flu and thinking, okay, he's emptied his system. I remember trying to perform at a top level that way, and JT would know better just the fatigue that you end up with and in this, the demandingness of this sport. Um, so I was I was really wondering what would happen, but I thought okay you could come out and treat it because of the new format this year he could come out and treat the heat race as a practice, not worry about the result, then come out in a semi and perform because now he knows the track, and then put himself in the main event. And it seemed to be what he did, mm-hmm. and then he got off to a great start in the main. I, it's just it continues to impress me what Ryan Villapoto is capable of. Yeah, Weej, uh, where do you put RV's ride? Like, uh, what do you think? Better, better than you thought? Worse than you thought? It's easy for me to say it now, but I kind of thought it would end up pretty much the way it did. Yep. And that sounds crazy, knowing what he's up against. But I feel like in times when we've seen this before, dudes being really sick, and, and the, the ultimate proof I have is, I'm sure, JT, you remember well that Detroit race in 2008 where Chad Reed went down to practice and went to the hospital and was basically riding with one arm, essentially. Um, I think he got 12th in that main event. And there were parts where... I'm like, this is sad, but there are some riders right now who are 100%. They're riding as good as they can. This is as fast as they can go. It's as fast as they'll ever go. Reed is riding with one arm, and they're just keeping up with him. Like, that's just the difference in level of these yeah. guys and just instinct. And, you know, I made the joke about Tavalos two weeks ago saying he could literally win heat races in his sleep, and it's kind of like that. I'm like, I think Villapoto just riding on instinct still ends up better than a lot of riders. That's yeah. the difference. The, and then that's what he was able to do. And the practice thing, I mean, obviously that's a big deal, but, I mean, I just kept pointing to it ain't like it takes them 10 laps of practice, any of these guys, to get the track down. They're almost, what, 95% of their fastest lap time from the first lap? Yeah, so, I mean, JT, I you, can handle that. JT, you can vouch for that. These guys, have they don't need three practices. No, I don't. You know, I, I think the track they have pretty sorted out uh, by the end of the uh, second practice. The th- you know, the third practice, they really start to mess around with bike settings and try to get it dialed in for the for the race. Um, the crazy thing, though, is that they make these track changes that basically nullify that second practice like they did uh, with that first-turn berm type thing, which I'm pretty critical of. I, I hate that they do that because I, I really don't feel like that's a, way, a good way to go about I'm qualifying. I've been writing about Uh, it for years, JT, also. Uh, There was actually a guy. I documented a guy who got screwed out of San Diego qualifying one time by a track change because he only did a lap or two of the third practice after the track had changed, after they changed the part where it went went out by the start. Um, They don't care. They do not care, clearly, about any of this. And and that that saddens me and it frightens me. Well, I think it's just pretty pretty pathetic that they – don't have the the foresight to realize that that's a really impactful change. Um, yeah. You can't just GT. You know, if, if this was Formula One or MotoGP and they just added a, a chicane <laughs> into the track, yeah. you know, yeah. after one qualifying session, I, I just don't understand how they think that that's okay. Um, even changing it for the race after time qualifying is done, if they if they feel that they need to slow the track down, change it before the race and let everyone know. You know, that, that's not yeah. a big deal. I, yeah. I think as long as everyone's informed, that's a that's a, a better change than 
mm-hmm. uh, changing it after in between timed sessions. Or you know they they should be able to to realize after the the first untimed session that they need to make that change. The worst possible scenario is is in between those time sessions right. where you could really ruin someone's whole day. Can someone please explain to me when the KJSC is is riding? why they put the 450 semi and LCQs back-to-back when they don't have to. They don't have to do that. They don't have to do that, yet they continue to do that. Am I the only one sitting there, Weege, saying, what the hell are you guys doing? You have two races that mean that don't hurt the 450s and you can break them up. They go, they go 250 heats, 450 heats, KJSC, 250 LCQs, and then 450 semis and 450 LCQ. What are they doing? Why are they doing At that? At the very least, why they don't split the 250 LCQ between the semi and the uh, LCQ for 450s, and you can consistently do that every week. Right. Do the same race thing every week. That is strange to me. I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Like, if you just screw the guys who have trouble, I guess. I don't know. It comes to a point where you're just like, come on, that's an easy change to make, everybody. Wasn't, uh, didn't Chisholm blow a motor in a semi? Was that a semi or heat earlier no, in the year? It was a semi. Like, he's done. Yeah, it was a semi, and he didn't make the, make the line in the LCQ. Because you, I don't think the guys even go back to the pits sometimes, do they? Well, if there's no KJSC and you're starting with 250s, you have to back to back to 450s at some point. If there's no KJSC, and they've determined they have to start with 250s because of time constraints for live TV. So, Steve, one of the things I wondered with the track changes, and I wonder if this was JT, is when there was a Friday practice. Did that let them figure the track out a little bit as far as the builders and know if any changes need to be made at that point? Were there as many changes back then, and did, did that affect at all the interplay between what Feld is looking for out of the race and the racetrack and, and what's happening on track? I would assume so, yes. I mean, there, there was an you know, infinite, amount, infinite amount of time compared to now to really sort that stuff out. Uh, the Friday practices are really casual. In fact, that the factory practice, which you know we doesn't exist anymore, but there was a, a factory practice that was 30 minutes long uh, on Fridays, where those guys had time to come in, make bike changes during practice. They had all kinds of, of things going on, which that dynamic completely different. So, I understand that there's a, a time constraint now, but I just feel that they've yeah. got to make more tactical decisions than changing in, in between practice sessions like that 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 actually matter towards qualifying. Uh, Kevin. Um... RV, you know, basically said he had stomach pain, and he had to race with it. Now, of course, it's his. It's none of our business what's going on medically with him. Just like you know, none of our business what's going on medically with JT or any of these. You know, any of us who doesn't want to release what's going on medical wise. I get that. I understand that. But if you're a fan of Villapoto, and you know his statement today didn't say what happened. Like you know, it's not normal to just wake up with massive stomach pain. And and so much so you got to go to the hospital and you can't get out of bed and this and that, so that's not normal. And keep in mind that you know it's it's I 100% agree that he doesn't need to release what's going on, but he also didn't tell us what it was or if it's fixed or whatever. This thing it could strike again. Yeah, I suppose anything's possible. Um, we don't know. I mean, there's the HIPAA rules that they have now, where if he doesn't if he doesn't allow the release of the medical information, it's not getting out. The doctors are bound to keep it to themselves and. The secrecy in this sport is, is awesome. Nobody will tell you anything. I, your whole discussion about Ivan Tedesco in the beginning of the season and how much he was riding and that sort of thing, it, it all plays into the conspiracy of if you let information out, people will see a weakness and, and get after it or something. I, I, I'm not sure, but I don't think we're going to find anything out more about it. 
I know there's been a lot of chatter about what did or didn't happen as it relates to IV fluids and so on, and mm-hmm. the discussion of whether that's within the rules. And I actually had a good discussion with Doc Bodner before the night show about what the rules are, and the gray area exists in that if it is medically necessary and it is done away from the track, because he's in the hospital, that's where the report was that he was at, and, and whatever treatment they give him at the hospital mm-hmm. in regards to IVs, that's okay because it's not on track, it's not happening right there on site. As long as it's deemed medically necessary by another, another doctor, yeah. that's no problem. I, I printed the rule out and read it on the Pulp Show last night, and yeah, it could not get any more loopholes. You could drive a semi-truck through some of those loopholes, which is fine. I'm okay with it. Like, I don't, I'm not, I don't stand in the camp of, hey, he, you know, he's bra- it's not the, the spirit of the rule is not, hey, you, you wake up and you need medical emergency at a hospital and you get an IV and you can't race. It's for guys who are, are, are doing it in between uh, uh, heats and mains and things like that. That's the intent of the rule. So I'm okay with it. But, it's yeah. the Bob Hanna rule is what I was told. Bob Hanna rule. Yeah, because it was Bob Hanna that, that I guess started some of this, and it wasn't just him from what people were telling me, but that there were, there were IVs outdoors and stuff in between motos to make sure you could be hydrated for the next one and that kind of stuff. And it was... It was people feigning, oh, I'm injured, I'm hurt, I, I need this, and then walking away, uh, never mind the, the ambulance, I'm fine. Yeah, I, I, I know Doug Henry also, too, back in the day was doing it. Um, uh, but he was understandable, he was pretty sick. But anyways, hey, Weege, uh, it was rough to try to get some dinner out of these teams. It was, it was tough, man. People should really feel for us. Yeah, I mean, I know that uh, a lot of, you know, uh, Centrillo might have thrown a title away and had a shoulder pop out twice, and uh, Filippoto almost threw a title away in the hospital with intense pain. But Grant, more importantly... Yeah, Grant couldn't race. Right. Yeah, uh, Grant, food poisoning, whatever. But more importantly, our stomach pains of hunger. Oh. Very, very difficult to deal with but, the way the, the pits are set up. But the good yeah. thing was we did get to go to the Honda truck looking for food, and we ran into Justin Barsha. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good time in there. Um, you know that... I knew that the Villapoto conspiracy theories were going to fly um, because he, you know, apparently got away with passing riders under a red cross flag last year, and then people started saying that's a monster energy thing. Um, every rule that he did or did not break, that the rule book didn't change. Uh, Grant hurt himself at practice at Phoenix, and they were going to give him the 21st gate pick. Same exact thing. He actually had ridden, I think, a lap and a half of the free practice, but he did not qualify, and they were still going to give him the gate, so they didn't do anything special there. And then, uh, as far as the IV thing, I'm not sure why they did it that way. They changed the rule and didn't make it just IV and you're out, which I think is what everybody assumed, since nobody actually reads the rule book, us included. And then we actually read it. We're like, oh. Um, but I know that there are situations, I, I know one of the things they're afraid of is, let's say you're really sick or dehydrated or hurt or something, right? You would not want a rider potentially getting into a life-threatening situation and refusing an IV because they want to be able to race hours later. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. if you're really sick, and you, this could be serious, take care of your medical problem first. Don't think about going to the line six hours later. Yeah. That's a big issue, you know, be it in practice outdoors or be it in practice here. So I think that's why that loophole, unfortunately, has to be there. And then once you put doctors and hospitals and HIPAA laws involved, it's pretty much you're can- not going to stop anything. And Canadian health care and socialism and everything balled into one. Well, that was me enjoying the jokes of... How long the line must be yeah. for routine care and social life. <laughs> I heard they told RV, hey, see, come back in June. Yeah. So that's what I heard. It's definitely not an advantage to leave the track, leave the team, go to the hospital, spend the day there, skip practice, and just come back for the night. Yeah. So there's no yeah. advantage in that. Yeah, that's my master plan. I'm going to do all that so I can get an IV. Right. Yeah. 
And uh, more so, I don't think in Supercross, the difference I think, between Supercross and outdoors is if they said everyone else in the 450 class, go ahead, take an IV as well after practice, it wouldn't have helped any of those guys. It's not like anyone's that deadly dehydrated after practice. Well, let's ask, uh, let's ask uh, the rider on the call. I mean, I have four Manitoba titles, but let's ask sure. you know, the real rider. What do you think, JT? I mean, you, we've gone on this podcast. We know IVs are going on in those motorhomes with some guys. Uh, yeah, but my point I'm making is between motos outdoors no, no, and practice no. outdoors, no, maybe. No, that, that, that's what I'm getting at. We know yeah. those go on outdoors. And, we've, and JT, you've told, you've talked about how great it feels after a national to get one. Do you feel like it would be beneficial in Supercross? No, not really. Um, I've never, I've never been in a, at a race at a Supercross race where I was like, man, I could really benefit from an IV right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, maybe some of the guys that party pretty hard on Friday night would disagree there, but. You're just you're not uh, perspirating enough or anything like that. Uh, yeah, to really need it. Yeah, J Law got one after a night out in San Francisco, and was not allowed to race. But he he did not get it for sickness reasons. He got it for to clean his system out. So that is awesome. Yeah, and it difference. could have been anything in that bag. <laughs> Morphine could have uh, been. Uh, Who knows? Okay, so but anyways, back to the Honda truck. We conversation with Justin Barsha. We figured out what Barsha's deal is all these years. It's very simple. All you riders, Bodner, when you got roosted, uh, all you guys in, in the praxis that got cleaned out, uh, Justin would like to say sorry. He's got a very good, very good reason why. Yeah, he does not mean to be a dirty rider. He actually literally has bad vision. He didn't. He's taken to wearing glasses. He's uh, getting his eyes checked. And he just can't see, he says. If you folks wake up, you know, in the middle of the night in your room and you bump into something, that's all Barsha's doing with Short or Mookie yeah, or yeah. Dean Wilson back in the day, any of those guys. That's how dolphins communicate. They, they, they bump their noses into you or whatever. Some animal bumps their noses into you. I thought that's how they kill sharks. Maybe that's it. <laughs> but <laughs> whatever it is, Barsha is just seeing what, what you're doing. He's just seeing how far you're there. That's it. Who knew? Um. But, hey, he led some laps. Uh, he rode pretty good. Uh, he won his heat race. He, nothing he could do against Stewart on this night. But second place, we ju- that's, a, that's an improvement for him. Yeah, but, you know, why don't you speak to it yourself? I mean, you literally, I'll give you full credit, much as, again, as I hate to do that. You saw it about two or three laps into practice. You saw the friskiness. I did? You called Barsha to win. Oh, yeah, I did on the podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's wrong with you? Uh, I, I talk too much. I think too much. I'm, I'm very distraught. The Leafs have lost five in a row. And things are going on in my life that aren't good right now. Um, that was one of the main reasons you went to the Honda truck to tell them that you had called 51. I did. The That's number one. right. I did. You know, I, because uh, in practice, and JT, I don't know if you noticed this, or Kevin, if you noticed this, he was whipping the shit out of it. He was uh, – Looked like it was just having a lot of fun jumping and, and like he looked frisky, like Kyle Cunningham in Detroit. And uh, yeah, I just thought he was going to have a good day. Did you notice that, Kevin? Did you notice Barsha in practice? I guess you're doing your show, so you're not 100% focused on the track, but. No, we spent a lot of time watching the riders, and yeah, you can see him out there feeling more comfortable for sure. And I don't know if it was the dirt or just the weekend or what. The dirt on the track seemed to be. The best of the year. Uh, there was no complaints I heard from anybody about the dirt in the track. It seemed to hold up fairly well, and 
maybe that just put him at ease throughout. But Barsha, he did look comfortable and colorful. Yeah, yeah. Somebody's having okay. someone needs to have an inter- someone needs to have an intervention with that A star guy. Whoever is going on, what whatever's going on, JT uh, at A star, someone needs to stop that guy. I don't know what's happening. I, when I heard that they had signed um, signed Tomac up for this year, and I knew Barsha was already there, these are not the colorways that I predicted them <laughs> coming to Supercross with. So. I don't know. Everybody has their own style, and, and right. that's one of the things I've learned in my current job is everybody likes different things, but it's curious, that's for sure. I don't. When Muscan wore it and Alessi wore it, the stuff looked good, I think. I, I liked it. Sharp-looking stuff. Yeah, and I feel like their stuff was more like production, and I feel like maybe Barsha's and Tomax is more one-off stuff i honestly don't know yeah. enough about their current line to think know. that but it just seems that way i don't know but someone I mean, needs to some italian is is drinking wine eating baguettes and designing some crazy that's france okay for that a1 gear isn't going into production with the stars on it <laughs> <laughs> uh we uh did you go to the jgr team at all on, on monday did you go for lunch no i didn't have time for lunch uh yesterday um GNC TV season, so let's take away from my scoop. Oh uh, yes, are you are you yeah. are you able to uh, get the starts down? Like when they start the race, is that? Yeah, I didn't. Know. I was waiting for the gate to drop, and I'm like, wait, it doesn't happen here. I'm just so confused every time. <laughs> one thing I'm waiting for one, and the other the other. But uh, I did talk to Brayton quite a bit. Shocker after uh, <laughs> right, right. Saturday night's main. Uh, yeah, that was much more like it. It was really strange talking to him the previous week. I mean, Detroit was terrible. Um, or we. we was that him you were saying first to six in the heat? Was that the him you were making the point? Yes, Detroit. I mean, I hated to bring it up because it was just a heat race or whatever, but sweet Jesus, JT and I are like, what, what is Brayton doing? What is Brayton <laughs> doing out there? Um, he's normally, you know, he's one of those guys, that, as a lot of those guys in that group are, him and Shorty and guys like that, they're kind of honest to a fault. Like, if they're mm-hmm. on it, they're on it. If they're not, they'll tell you that. They don't make excuses. He had nothing to say last week. Like, I asked... <laughs> He was like, it just wasn't, I don't know, it just, uh, like he had no words to describe, um, which is normally not a good sign, like you're like on the road to fixing it. Right, right. Well, you but said, oh, behold, he's back. But you said, Weege, there are some suspension stuff going on, test testing, and they are working hard. Yeah, but in the end, uh, he said it didn't change stuff massively, and, and um, the weather here in North Carolina has been horrible, so they didn't really even get to ride or test much, so really strange, man, yeah. the way this season seems to be where, you know, guys are just feeling it. And I'm sure we'll talk about Shorty in a second. Like, think of the role reversal. Maybe there was a transfer of power between Shorty and Brayton oh, no. during the week. Because, I mean, it's so Shorty had a great race, his best of the year. Nothing really changes. Terrible. Brayton, terrible. Nothing really changes. Good. This seems to be a pattern this year. Something small affects these guys track just feeling good in the track or a small bike setting or whatever mm-hmm. um roxon jt led for a little while finishes uh fifth maybe roxon's worst race of the year and i'm including the ones where he didn't get any points it's very bizarre led a couple laps led two or three laps and then just kind of worn backwards pretty weird uh you know we, we've heard a little bit about him saying he thought maybe he did too much work during the week and uh legs were fatigued quite a bit and i really don't see anything to argue with him about on that you know he, he literally just did look tired so 
first time we've kind of seen that from him all year. Um, you know, he shouldn't have any reason to be nervous or anything like that. The points weren't really an issue. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to have to take take it at face value from what he said and, and assume that, you know, he'll try to be a little bit smarter about his, his effort load this week and, and come back. You know, the speed was there. The start was there. Everything was there. He just kind of kind of gave out a bit and – you know, we talked about this earlier in the in, early in the year. This is his first full season doing uh, the 450 class, and it's you know a lot more racing than he's ever done in a row. So maybe that has something to do with it. You know, I can't really say that it doesn't because we've never seen this kind of uh, mm-hmm. situation from him, and it certainly wasn't expected. Um, also, too, we we shouldn't get too far before talking about Brock Tickle. Kevin, did you see his crash? I didn't. I just saw him laying in the corner there. We didn't have a good vantage point for it. We caught Adam's crash in the whoops right as we started the show, but we did not have Brock's crash. Seems like nobody saw Brock's crash, right? We, JT, neither one of you did either, right? Nope. Well, it was literally, what, the first lap? Third, Second, second lap. or third lap, yeah. yeah. I yeah. didn't see any video so, on the internet I mean, at just, all. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to figure out what's going on you know, at that point. I mean, we were talking of the day. You know, yeah. So they unleash how many riders out there at once, 20-some. Yeah. The fact, the chance that you're going to happen to be looking at one guy in the first lap that crashes. Well, we we knew you two were looking at Dean, so that's yeah. Yes, that was very good. Right, killing it. Um, we we are how how are we feeling about Dean's ride in Toronto? I was very mad. I talked to um, a team manager of a team that would like to sign him, mm-hmm. and they said, uh, "Yeah, it's working out good. We still like him, and he's probably driving his price down." <laughs> no, his price is going up. See. Told you. Pay him more. He has shown he has the speed. Why would his price be going down? Okay, well, that team manager and I are, are on the right wavelength. I think you and all we the can team work managers with speed. and everyone, except me. <laughs> What's that, JT? We can work with speed. Yep. He, this one was worse. He seemed... In the main event, he wasn't even good from the start. No, I think he was trying to avoid the fade. I think he was. Oh, I see. I think he's like, hey, this is... If I can go this... "Quote unquote, slow speed. I can go longer, and this is just all I got, and it's all I'm going to do because I can't go. I can't fade again. Do you agree, JT? I'm sure that had to be in the back of his mind. Uh, he also didn't get a very good start, which is the first time we've seen well, that from him. He neither did Stu. He's been in the top three or so the the two previous races. Student um, good start. Student gets good start." A couple of dudes passed him yeah, immediately, so I'm though. Ta- like I'm he went from, like, Wilson. sixth to eighth on the first lap, and I'm like, if you're as fast as anyone in practice, now you're the eighth fastest guy in the first lap of the main. Like, he was getting passed instantly. Yeah. Do we, JT, do we think that Pike is going anywhere next year? I don't hear Probably anything. to all the rounds that they schedule. But Thank you. Thank you. It's a hunch. I don't hear anything. About any, and I, I've talked to two, three, four team managers about next year, and none of them have mentioned Wesson Pike. Teams that could think about a guy like Wesson Pike. Well, it's the same situation after Salt Lake, where, you know, he got fourth overall uh, in the outdoors. Everyone's like, oh, he's for sure going to get a deal now. Right. And it's, <laughs> unfortunately, it's not. Just you don't see it, you know. I don't know. I, I would hope he's going to end up somewhere. Um, everybody's up, so there's a lot of mm-hmm. musical chairs that have to be kind of filled. But you're right when you when you just 
don't you just have that uh, that feeling again that he's going to be odd man out and be putting his own program together again just because there's not that just that buzz in the pits about yes yeah, so, yeah we're going to get him or this guy's going to get him or oh yeah yeah for sure he's going over there with a lot of guys we hear that about so man I, I hate to see it because I think he definitely deserves a deal but it's not going to shock me if he doesn't get one. Yeah. Could a team like Yoshimura Suzuki add another rider? I mean, they had Moss kind of out the back there for a little while, and he did okay. Would, would it make sense for a team like that if they could find the budget to bring Pike in and keep him on the same bike? I think they're going to add a guy. I just think it's going to be James's brother. Is That's what I think they're going to do. So, yes, I do think they could pull it off because it would be pretty inexpensive for him to do it. But I just have this feeling it's going to be Malcolm instead of Weston. I talked to Lou, and he said that there have been some discussions. I saw him early in the day, and he said he's talked to some teams, but they also kind of like what they have going now. And it, it, what they have now is a huge improvement over what they had a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's at least made yeah, that's the yeah. that's the problem he runs into is he's not just he's just not getting solid yeses. Let's work something out. It's always yeah, well, you know, you're doing really well. We'd like to see how, kind of see how it goes, and that's the same thing he keeps getting, and that results in him not ending up with a deal. I got to change my headphones because they just went out on me. So just talk about something else. I think it's ridiculous. Like I don't understand. I've never seen. I already said last year. I don't think I've ever seen a situation quite like that. And now it'd be even more so. Now he's gone to an even higher level. I, I, it makes absolutely no sense to me. I cannot think of another example of someone being this good and just nope. Sorry, can't make it happen. Yeah, it was this main Never. event where I think he was going right by Dungey at the beginning of the main through the whoops. I think Weston was passing Dungey, and I thought, wow, with this guy, what could he do with a full factory machine and all that support and stuff? If, if you ever had a guy that you know if you added just a few more percent more to the bike, it might just push him over the edge. It seems like Weston's that guy. I'm back, by the way. You guys yeah, are. I don't understand. And you know what? I'm not a huge subscriber to the idea that, you know, you're going to go from – sixth or seventh to first if you, if you get a factory bike. But I at least feel like the results he's been putting in, a lot of these teams would be happy already, even if he didn't get any better. Even if he was just getting, and I think he'd get more consistent for sure, which has been the problem this year. I think he'd get more consistent for sure on a team. The speed he's already shown with 0% improvement, I think these teams would be happy with. He's, you can name other guys who are being paid pretty well. That he's, 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 so, faster than. he's so angry. He's so aggressive. God, I love it, though. Yeah, and if you can't market that, that's ridiculous. Like, I guess that was one of the other things here. Oh, he's really hard to market. Why? I think he's better to market than a lot of other riders. He's far from bland, that's for sure. Yeah. Take the nihilist thing. Build it up. He is, yep. the, he is the nihilist. Cuckoo-cuchoo. Um, JT, you, uh, you shocked the world a few weeks back when you picked Matt Gerke to break into the top ten. After a, a little bit of a miserable time, um, yeah. Don't look now. Matt Gerke's last three races are the best three of the year, and he put in the top ten again this weekend. What do you know about Matt Gerke, JT? Uh, well, Matt Gerke was born in uh, Lake Helen, Florida. Okay, uh, he's about five ten. Yeah, one hundred seventy five pounds. Uh, brown eyes. Bearded most of the time. Now, uh, Matt's finally able to practice again. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. he got hit by Matt Moss at the first round and broke his finger. And 
he was lucky to even keep racing. He got a pen, had surgery and got a pen in it. Was still still able to race the following weekend. Finally got the pin out and has been able to practice now consecutively for a few weeks, and I think we're seeing the results of that. You know, there's a big difference between being able to ride four days a week and being able to ride on race day only. So the the problem was his, was with his clutch finger, so he was having to use yeah. a finger for the clutch that he'd never used before, which is a, a huge deal, but just because your feel's different, your starts are different, everything's different. Mm-hmm. So now he's back to normal, and I think I just think we're getting back to what we should have seen all year from him, really. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good, good for him. Uh, what happened to Shorty's race? What do you know, JT? He struggled. He struggled all day. Um, they had some bike setting issues and could really never get it, get him dialed in, especially in the whoops. Um, I know they were trying all kinds of things to, to sort that out and just could never find really a solution for it. And every time he went out, he, he faced kind of the same battle. And you could visually see it. He just was way off there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of the same story every time. Like, you knew they were changing a bunch of things, but there, re- there was never any visual change. It was just kind of one big struggle all the way through the whoops every single lap, and he mm-hmm. kept getting past there. And I know he was pretty frustrated after the race. So I think getting back to a, a more standard track next weekend in St. Louis, I, I would mm-hmm. assume he'll, we'll get back to what we've seen from him every other weekend. Well, again, i got to give you credit. I, you, I mean, you talk about how I predicted Barsha to win. Uh, somehow you saw something in Daniel Monet because you, he made his first main, he won the LCQ, made his first main event ever. And you did a racer X films with him in the pits that day. Very, very random. Yeah. Well, I can tell you exactly what I saw, which was him standing next to Schmidt and Enignap after he did interviews of them and like a lonely puppy, like a child who didn't get any gifts on Christmas morning. <laughs> Um, I'm right here. If you want to interview me, basically. <laughs> he said so, that. He said that, or you saw the look in his face. I saw the look in his face, and I think he did. Um, not quite that sad and pathetically, but he did throw out that it would be an option. He'd be more than willing. Ah, <laughs> oh, look at Weege making dreams happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember doing the interview, and when he said, "I've not made a main event yet," I'm like, "Oh man, now I'm going to have." Ten other privateers who have made main events all over us. Like, why didn't you interview me? Racer X picks favorites. You Jimmy, Jimmy D's yelling, what about my exposure? Yeah, I even got a tweet today. We'll get to the 250s in a second. But uh, Matt Bichelia had, I think, his 172nd first lap crash of the year and yeah. still came back for 12th. Right. And, of course, said, Jimmy D came from further back and got 10th. If he was on a factory bike, maybe you'd notice. Oh, Jimmy D fans. Yeah. Yeah. The Jimmy D fans. Don't, don't, don't cross the Jimmy D fans. So, thank you. Gad, Daniel Monet won that LCQ to justify yeah. us having the video, so I don't have to argue. And uh, Anton Nap Weege made his first main. It's always good to see the little guys break through. They're big little guys, though. All of them: Schmidt, <laughs> Enig Nap, Monet. Monet. Yeah, maybe that's the, maybe that's the problem. They, they, it's not the factory equipment they're lacking. It's the the they need less height and less weight. Well, one of the things Rollerball mentioned to me was how small James Stewart and Chad Reed and these guys were. It's one of the things we're all about mentioned. We should have took him to meet the Schmidt, the Schmidt and the Entenap. Yes, some boys have meat on their bones. Right, exactly. Double uh, meat in the case of uh, Entenap. <laughs> Double Black Forest. Uh, Kevin, have you? Uh, you know, it's really a cool story. I don't know how much you've talked about it on your shows, but Ronnie Stewart is kind of developing yeah. into a cool story. Yeah, and Ronnie Stewart, we talked to him last year at Toronto. I remember wandering up the hallway and finding him up there working on his own bike and 
just kind of getting by. And, and he's, he's been awfully consistent, and he's actually been running well in some of the heat races only to, to end up in that LCQ, but he's, uh, mm-hmm. he's doing really well. I'm, I've, I continue to be impressed by him and the consistency that he's putting up. Starts. His starts are good. Wow. Um, uh, JT, rough four weeks now for Ivan Tedesco. Rough. Yeah. You know, we've, we've seen this, unfortunately, <laughs> we have. ever since no. Ivan's got enough for 50. Yeah. And it's not always his fault. You know, the crash at uh, Indy went down, you know, that made Sports Center. That, that wasn't really his fault. Tapia was happy about that, cla- that crash, though. Oh, yeah, Tappy probably thought it was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> he made um, Sports Center. Yeah. I, I know he was really pissed because he had a sure hole shot. <laughs> so he said. Um, but Ivan just, man, I don't know if he tries too hard or if he just goes for it. I, I know he was trying to make a move on Shorty, which may or may not have been a contributing factor is a uh, <laughs> big rivalry with, with Andrew. Mm-hmm. But, but, man, you you just got to feel for the guy. He cannot stay off the ground. Oh, he's getting he's getting hammered lately. Yeah, he I I'm sure at some point when he was laying there in a ball, he was just like, "Oh, I wish I was still unemployed." <laughs> Weed, Weed, you did some investigating on that bike size? Yeah, completely on my own, uh without the, uh, any suggestion. But you know me, I'm always very big on the 450 350 thing. Me personally only, just me. <laughs> Absolutely. Very big. If there's one thing about you, it's missing gate drops and 350, yeah. 450s. It's just, yep. yeah. I'm always arguing with Ping, but right. I'm doing starts yep. with Kiefer on a 350. So mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> on my own accord, not told by anyone else, I went over to the truck app. Because here's the thing about Ivan. He looked good at times. Like JT, JT was on, uh, on your side with that. What's that? Thinking that they had switched. JT oh, was also. Oh, yes, that's right. I it was my theory. JT was also was, on your side. Yes, my theory was that he was no longer on a 350. Not yours, mine. Yes. Switch to a 450 because yes, the main event ended badly, but in the heat race, a couple other parts throughout the night, he looked fast. He did. He did. I think he passed Roxon and, and battled with him for a lap or two in the heat, um, several notches speed wise. I think above where he'd been lately. So I, on my own, not requested by anyone else, went over to the Rockstar truck at the end. Said, hey, what size engine is that bike? And there was a long pause. Long pause. Dave Gallon goes, 350. And I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> you said that? Yeah, I go, I don't know about that. We, we saw the whoops. We saw how it was pulling. Uh, we think it was more of a 450. And he's like, is this Steve Mathis' journalism? He just sends you over here to ask questions for him. And then they, <laughs> and then you, they exploded. And they then were you, loving it. You ran for cover. You're like, oh, I got to go. It's like, no, that's not true. You can't take me down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they were on to you. Uh, um, JT, Nick Way, and Albertson both got career, career, uh, season best career season best finishes in Toronto. Why? I don't know. Um, I think, you know, I w- I'm going to have to say because there were so many guys out. You know, Tedesco crashed out. God, Josh Grant didn't ride. Tomac was out. You're such a dick. No, I just tickle. Yeah, tickle out. Um, Chat out. It's just there's been so many guys out now at this point of the season. I you have to just point to that. You know, I'm sure they rode great, and and I'm definitely not trying to detract anything from the ride. But if you start adding guys back in that should be in there, mm-hmm. it doesn't look the same. So. Uh, Nick Nick said he found a new setting that he was happy with. Oh, God. He, which we will, he will in turn hate come next Saturday. 
uh, Weech, he was uh, on the Pulp Show last night talking about how first he paid for my cab from the stadium. No, first he paid for your cab. Yeah. And then he awesome. paid for my cab, and, and he's now feels like he's part of Racer X. He's fronting cab money for everybody. Yeah, I was pumped because with exchange rates and the distance from the airport to the stadium, it was 59 bucks. So I was very he, happy when he picked it up. And by the way, I enjoy how I use people to pay for stuff, even though I do have a company credit card. So it's not even saving me money. Right, right. Actually saving the company money. What you, would you learn from him on your cab ride there? Well, you guys know Nick even better than me, but if you even know him a little bit, you know that uh, he's one of the more well-connected guys. I think one of the more respected riders. He's been around a while. He knows the right people, and and people like him. So he's he's on the inner circles, probably more so than most fans would think. You know, mm-hmm. when you go down in Florida, it was Alden's three guys and him, right? Right. But they're not inviting just anybody down there. Um, yeah, you learn a lot from him. You got questions on. Yeah. What's happening and what's going on, I'll just leave it at that. He's a great uh, resource. He, yeah, he yeah. is. He is. What well, I learned it was cool. I thought, this is privateer life. He, he, we get the cab, got a gear bag, and a pro-circuit suspension box. And that's what he throws in the trunk of the cab. And I'm like, <laughs> gear bag and suspension, I'm going racing. That's all you need. JT, that's odd. He's had a suspension box. It's odd. <laughs> very strange. Very out of, out of character for him to be wanting to make last-second changes. Odd that he found a uh, yeah he found a new uh, setting yeah um, hey this is the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by BTOsports.com BTOsports.com the nation's leading retailer for anything you need for your biker body use the code PulpMX to save yourself money and of course Fox Racing Foxhead.com Dungey Tickle Roxon uh, just among the few Jimmy D who wear Fox uh, so check them out and also too if you need some suspension work. Use the code PulpMX14 to save yourself some money at, at uh, Race Tech and uh, listen to this Race Tech commercial. Get some suspension work done, damn it. BTOsports.com, RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Hey, I want to talk about privateers and what they choose for suspension. Yeah, that's right. Some of the top privateers, most of the top privateers out there, choose Race Tech. Long been supporting the world's fastest privateer since 1984. Michael Lee. Vince Freeze, Chris Blows, Cody Gilmore, and many other guys uh, choose uh, Race Tech Suspension, and they've been along, around a long time, and their their work stands for itself. Don't forget, people, at least uh, change your oil in your new bike and use Race Tech to do it. Some of that stock oil isn't that good. Uh, Race Tech's the world's largest aftermarket motorcycle suspension modification company. 30 years they've been supplying racers, riders, and tuners with the industry's best suspension products. Paul Fee, the owner of Race Tech. One of the smartest guys out there. And uh, the creators of the do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Racetech.com for a full listing of suspension parts, tools, and information. Racetech. Go there. Make your bike handle better. Do it. Racetech.com. Thanks for listening. All right, we're back on the show. Uh... Do we, are we done with 450s? Can we move to 250s? Are we done? Anything else, Kevin? I, I just want to say one more thing about James, and we kind of touched on it early on. Sure. But as a guy who was a fan early on in my life in the early 90s when it was Emig and McGrath just coming up, and then I kind of missed the, the RC era in the beginning of the James era. And I've gone back and watched, but this was kind of the legendary James that you always hear about where he's doing things on the track that nobody else is doing consistently, and he's, he's just that much faster than everyone else. And the performance was really remarkable to watch. 
I started looking at him at about probably lap 10 mm-hmm. or lap 8 and, and looked at him and just said, wow, the yellow train is coming. <laughs> it, is, it is on the rails and everyone is in trouble because you could just see him section after section gain huge amounts of time on everybody. Yeah, there was no – I mean, did anybody put up a fight with him out there? I can't think – I think he just I, – I mean, I just picture him going by everybody like they were just anchored down. Well, I yeah, don't think it mattered because each time someone tried to fight back a little bit, they just hit the next section, and James did yeah. something that gapped him. Right. We each, yeah, Marsha was struggling real bad by the time he got to him, and I think you and I were we were sitting pretty close to each other, Mathis, and I think we were trying to figure, is Barsha just making mistakes, or is he just figure my best defense here is to just mess up everything so bad that he can't <laughs> even figure out what to do? That's the uh, Jason Thomas, Josh Grant scenario from Salt Lake. Beautiful. Just, you rattle jump a rhythm like yes. no one has ever seen, so he won't know what to do. I'm just going to rattle this guy behind me. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, no, it was something else. Uh, that, yeah, Kevin, if you missed a lot of James Stewart when he broke in, you know, that's what we saw a lot. And yeah. he, you know, James feels like four strokes have hurt him a little bit, where it's not all about talent anymore because the bikes are so damn good. And I think he's got a little bit of a point. But uh, on this week, he he was he showed us. Yeah, I've gone back and watched it on tape, but it's nothing like watching it happen in person. Right, right. And JT was there, uh, got in his way one time, ended up with a, in a torn ACL. Yes, you're when when James starts jumping crazy stuff, get out of the way because he's going <laughs> to jump in no matter what. It's forty-seven, <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move. To, let's move to two fifties. Did we – was that on this show? We took a little poll last week. Can Bogle win? Or was that on the Pulp show? I don't remember. I think that was here. I talk I a lot. So. But I said absolutely – Yeah, that was here. It was this one? Yeah. I said he couldn't. <laughs> I said he couldn't. I said – although it took it took a shoulder from uh, Adam C. Cirillo. It took Davalos losing his front end. And it took Baggett going over the bars – but Bogle was still in front and looking pretty good. But hey, uh, Weege, Bogle. Wait, 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 wait. What? You mean you don't mean the title? You mean win a race? Yeah, we said can Bogle win a race? Okay, the guy's coming off of like huge catastrophic injuries, clearly improving every week. And in Detroit, he was all over Cincerello for the majority of the main event. And from that, you get nah, probably can't win. <laughs> nah, I think that's what I said. <laughs> he was right behind Cincerello for almost the entire main event at Detroit, and that was second place. What what appears to not be capable of winning out of that? Chad Reed will never race in America again. <laughs> <laughs> I think to me it was clear that this was just like the inevitable, like you just that's how these things kind of develop, right? When the riders talking about building, like I feel like he, it, you could see the steps yeah. starting to build, and you're like, okay, now he's one start away, right? And he got the start. It's uh, it's nuts. It's just nuts to think that here we are, three rounds left in this thing. A bull goes five points back only. Weege. Five points. I Pro Circuit might not win this title. Right? It would be, and uh, we can talk about this at length, I'm sure, for the next couple of weeks, but Bogle's in the best position. I mean, five points is virtually nothing. That's just a weekend, a win here and there. So the points aren't a big factor. But the guy's got to feel like he's on bonus time. He didn't even think he'd be racing this year at Supercross. Now he's got a win. He's pumped up. Pro Circuit is relying on Martin Davalos. Does does anyone feel good with Martin's five point lead besides Jason? Absolutely. Besides Jason Thomas. <laughs> Absolutely. We got this thing on lock. 
Vogel has got momentum, confidence, no pressure, nothing to lose. You're lucky to even be racing. Not the points lead, though, for you. or the red plate. <laughs> Pro circuits, oh, man, they've got to be nervous over there now. Uh, Jake, oh, we're looking good. We've been ahead of Vogel all year. Why would that change now? <laughs> you lost your front end again, though, this weekend, JT. <laughs> That's all right. Okay. We, we every time we 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 lose the front end weekly and we still land on the podium. Uh, JT, you also flew off a berm into another lane into another rider. Yeah, hey, but you're just testing the limits of the track. Okay. You never know how fast you can go. <laughs> All right, just checking. I'm glad that we still feel good. We push the limits over here. Um, JT, but in all seriousness, uh, with seeing Cirillo's shoulder, uh, David Villeman, perhaps you've heard of him, somebody you agree with on a lot of topics in this sport. Um, yes, we are very much on the same wave. Very similar wavelength. minds. Uh, wrote on uh, publicmex.com, shameless plug, if Adam Adam should try to gut this series out, and if it doesn't work out, get operation and miss the outdoors. I don't know if you've ever done your shoulder. I don't think so, JT, from what I remember uh, from knowing you your whole career. But how tough is this going to be, and can he still do it? Or is he, Are these incredibly long odds in the form of Chad Reed's trying to race uh, Dallas? How... How bad is dislocating slash separating or whatever he did? Yeah, I separated mine uh, and missed one race and raced the rest of them all taped up and uh, got injections into my shoulder and all kinds of stuff. So I've dealt with it somewhat, mm-hmm. and it's not fun. Uh, the biggest thing and the thing that bit him this weekend is it will it stay in the socket. And from things I've seen, uh, read about, watched happen, I don't know. You know, if he had had another crash and it popped back out, that would be one thing. But just to be going through the whoops and it pop out again, yeah, that's that's a bad sign. Uh, that means that everything's pretty loose. You know, yeah. ligaments are um, not doing their job mm-hmm. in a not that uh, significant of a of a hit. You know, that should never pop out under normal circumstances. So. I'm sure he's got an MRI, um, and they're probably either yeah, they've gotten a preliminary report yeah. back or waiting on the real results. Um, but that's going to be a tough call. You know, I would expect for him to show up at St. Louis and give it a go. But, okay. And hope it stays in. Look, waffle guy, what do you give him chances-wise? I mean, we gave Chad. What do I give him? I give him painkillers and a lot of ice and a lot of tape. Uh, all right. Put him. Thanks. What are the chances? No, there's, it's, like, either, it's either yes or no. I, I just don't thank know. You. I'm not, I didn't, thank a, I'm not you. an orthopedic surgeon. I didn't know I, if know, it was if yes or no. If I saw an MRI I didn't know. and I talked to an orthopedic surgeon, I could oh. tell you if it's going to stay in or not. Kevin, did you know it's yes or no, whether it's going to stay in or not? I didn't know that. I thought there was a third option. You know, this is, I think, where the people around you become all the more important, especially when you're that age. I mean, having gone through injury myself and come back too soon because I didn't listen to the people around me, this is where the folks around him need to really assess the situation with the greater knowledge they have, whether it's the orthopods or Alden Baker, whoever it is that that he's dealing with his parents and so on, and try and take the longer view here. and Say, yeah, you're, you're risking some stuff, or you're giving up some things in this season for sure, the potential championship. And I think that's where all the frustration came from afterwards, obviously, the, the championship. I think his shoulder was hurting a little bit, but it was all the emotional part of, hey, I was leading this, I was going to win it my rookie year, and it was going to be unbelievable, and that was kind of fading away. You have to balance what you want this year versus what you want over the next 10 years. Kevin, and that's where I think all the other people around him are so important. You're a, you were a big-time volleyball player, right? Yeah, a uh, couple of Olympics. I think that's big time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so give me an answer, yes or no. What do you think? Don't tell me you will need he to race? Yes. Or will, will, it, will he race? Will he race? Will he be able to? 
to race and be competitive? Well, I think he proved already that he can race and be competitive if it stays in. Uh, I'm going to have to rely on my own knowledge of what I went through and then Jim sitting next to me saying, yeah, if it's not going to stay in, if it comes out that easily, he's done. Okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Jim and say, if it's me, if it's my kid, I'm saying get the surgery or do the rehab, whatever is needed to be done over the next few weeks, and think about doing outdoors or something thereafter. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to really to lose right. at this point by hey, doing that. We, can you bring a volleyball to the race this weekend? And, you know, I used to play volleyball in high school. Uh, I was quite a setter. Oh, I was quite a setter in my time. <laughs> you look like a – you know, you're a taller guy. I'm sure you were good at spiking. Um, Can we do a little Racer X films on this? Let me show you my setting skills because I think I still got them. I think I still remember them. I'll set you up. You jump up. You spike the thing. Okay. All right. I think you're spiking is the punch bowl. Could, could – <laughs> Um, maybe we set up a little net. I don't know if we can get a net or not. I don't know where we're going to net from. But let me show you my setting skills. I'll put that thing wherever you want it. <laughs> down at Loretta's, I know they have a net. We've just been down there. I wonder if he turned around after his uh, little his Racer X hit and, and decided to hit a few balls. I think I can't remember where. I know I played volleyball at some race somewhere, so that was probably it. I can't even remember. You know what? Um, I don't. I didn't play in. I didn't play in um, high school. My bad. I gave it up in grade nine. But still. Oh, still, I still feel like my skills are there. I didn't want to. I didn't want. I don't want to overstate my volleyball skills, but your volleyball skills might be better than my moto skills. We'll have to see. Um. So JT's waffling. Kevin says no. Weech, what do you think? Yeah, I say no. Um, and okay. if he comes back and he wins this heroically, you know, shame on me for doubting him. But yeah. I mean, this yeah. is. I think what we all know here is it's a little bit different situation because of his age where this is – if you're Ryan Hughes trying for the title for the 15th time and you've been robbed over and over, right. you know, your leg's broken and you need to tape your boot together to get out there and try T- to make it happen, it T- might never happen again. Timmy Ferry was robbed for years and years and years until finally capturing it. Yes. Capturing the title in 97? Yeah. He's been robbed. He was robbed years. from 92 to 96. Oh, okay. So, with Cincerullo – He's kind of already proven the point he needs. He's shown he can do this. He's shown he can win. He shows he can win titles. He's the real deal. He knows how to handle it. So if he doesn't win the title at age 17 in his first year, is it a career disaster? Uh, No. And also the strange thing is if he does win it this year, he only gets to come back one more year, right? Is that the way it works still? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So if he wins this year, he's going to have to race 450 Supercross in 2016. So I don't even think that would be – no, maybe if, the best plan. If he wins this year and wins next year, he has to race 2014, 2016 Super Four. Oh, if he does not defend the title, yeah, he's still okay because he'll be under that hundred point rule. Then now he'll fall under a hundred points rule. Okay, so you get one year to defend the title, and if you fail to defend it, then you get to come back. You don't get one year to defend the title if you've already been there for three years. Then you do oh. not. Yes. Right. But if you win two in a row, you're out. Yes. If you win one in a row, your first pro year, then you don't win the second you year. Another, you yeah, you get another year. Yeah, you, you reset gotcha. the clock. Um, I think that actually was Trey Kennard. That was a Trey Kennard rule, wasn't it? Do you? Yeah, it was. Anyway, my point is, it's not a career disaster for him to not win this title this no, year. No, So do not take any chances. I mean, there are pretty much wrists and shoulders, I think, are the main thing that you can point to. Even, even knees, as bad as they are, they got the, the surgery down pretty well now where guys come back about the same. Mm-hmm. But dudes who have messed with wrists and shoulders, those are usually the things that can really derail someone, and I don't know why you'd take any chances if you're him. JT, Baggett is 24 back of you guys. Is he out of this thing? 
You'd have to think so at this point. Davos is the picture of consistency. Uh, we've been in this spot many times before. I, I just feel like, it, you know, it, much like Villapoto, when you give a guy a lead like this, uh, yeah. it lights out. A lead of five points over Bogle? It lights no, out? No, no, we're talking about Baggett. Oh, talking oh, about oh, okay. Baggett's point of view. Um, Weege, what happened to Baggett's working with Kurt Hendrickson and getting his starts nailed down, which is what he told all of us after Daytona? Yeah, then we talked to his dad about it, and his dad wanted to correct us and let us know that even in Daytona, the starts weren't good. Right, right. We're like, but the Daytona starts are good. No, actually, he was terrible, and then he just passed a bunch of dudes in the first turn. Yeah. So, in other words, he hasn't really gotten any good starts um, if, since then. And, and once again, two bad starts in Toronto, heat in the main. If Baggett He's had, been a terrible starter his whole life. It's not good for Supercross. If Baggett hadn't gone down, he was moving up towards the front, probably would have made the podium. And we haven't talked about Matt LeMoyne, by the way. We need to talk a little bit about Matt. Uh, Baggett would be my pick for this title still. But I agree. But we went down, we went down in Toronto, and, and it hurts us big time. Uh, so, he had podium, and I think he could have gotten second even, because yeah. Davalos had, stop me if you heard this before, fallen down <laughs> in the main event so. after winning his heat. <laughs> and Baggett's got the championship experience. The rest of these riders do not. I, I totally agree, but it didn't happen. So, do you? Who do you got, Weege? We know who JT's got. Well, I'm not waffling. Like I did think Cincerillo was the title favorite in the year yeah. when it started. I was going to stick with that. I don't think that's looking so good. So, starting now. Yeah, starting now. Yeah. I, it's like my buddy Jeff Emig likes to say: pick momentum over points. Bogle's got the momentum. And Kevin, you like Bogle or you like Davalos? God, it's a tough pick. I keep wanting the narrative to change on Martin Davalos. I keep hoping that it's that not, changes. It's not so going to. Getting it's the not. same thing over and over again. It's zebras and stripes, Barnett. Zebras and stripes. <laughs> I think in that case, then you've got to take Bogle. I think if you assume things are going to continue to go the way they are for Martin, at some point he's going to end up hurt or scoring 10 points or something. And, and Bogle can be a little more consistent. I mean, Bogle has a, a couple of lower finishes, but other than that, he's been, he's been pretty good. And, yeah, the momentum thing, I think, counts for something. To go into second and have your career best second finish a week ago and then come out and win the race the following week, uh, that says something. It, it is remarkable considering the injuries. Five broken, broken vertebrae and a broken scapula in December? I, I don't think yeah. anyone figured he was a factor. No, I mean, at one point they got Wharton to replace him, and now Wharton's hurt. <laughs> so <laughs> He's been really good. Unfortunately, he's been five points worse than my guy, Martin Davos. JT, the new guy, is not very pumped on your chances to win this. That's all right. We, we like being the underdog. <laughs> all right. <laughs> You've earned the underdog status. You've done a good job earning underdog. Uh, I just love nobody, it. nobody takes us seriously. We're, we're a, gr- a small Ecuadorian, you know, <laughs> right. nation, group of bandits. <laughs> <laughs> banditos. A bunch of Ecuadorian banditos against the world. Yeah. <laughs> it is just an awesome scenario here. Mitch has six riders this year, probably more than he's ever had uh, having a 250 team. Mm-hmm. Six riders. They've had a lot of success with a lot of them. Wilson's won race, uh, won a race. Justin Hill's broken through. They had won, what, seven races in a row. They yeah. had podium sweeps. They're pretty much out of it on the West. Baggett and Cincerillo appear to be out of the out of the six men. There's only one he can rely on to be consistent down the stretch. <laughs> There's only a rock, one rock remaining. <laughs> what a scenario! 
I mean, obviously, if Davalos wins it, that's going to be an awesome story and good for him, but it's going to be high drama these next couple weeks. You know, Bob, if he does win, is, is May 5th become Martin Davalos Day in Ecuador? Perhaps. <laughs> Every day is Martin, Martin Davalos Day. <laughs> you know, Bob Seeger, Bob Seeger wrote Like a Rock for Davalos. He watched Davalos. He wrote the song. He knew there'd be an Ecuadorian writer. Is that that Chevrolet song? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, I'm starting to think – well, first of all, Matt LeMoyne. Uh, Kevin, let's talk a little bit about that. Privateer kid. Won the heat race. Got his career best third in, in Toronto. And uh, great ride by him. Yeah, how many people were looking up the number 78, mad scrambling to the Internet to figure out, who, who is this 78 guy that's up front? We've never heard of this this LeMoyne guy. or <laughs> Who is this? Fly Racing Zone. Everyone doing the live broadcast for TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, he was good all day. I mean, Matt LeMoyne was on the radar all day long, and it just it's one of those things that you were talking about, Barsha kind of throwing whip in it, and LeMoyne just looked comfortable on the track, and, and we had him on the show, and, uh, you know, at least on the practice, practicing not in live in studio, but he was just in a groove with the track. And the more impressive thing about the whole main event was that he held off Martin, and Martin had been fast all day, and those two guys were neck and neck for most of that main event, and so LeMoyne not only rode in third, but he had pressure, and he stayed there. Yeah, it was a good ride, um, no doubt. I, I still think you should go to 450s, but that's just me. Um, I'm starting to think, JT, like, okay, so J-Mart doesn't qualify for the first two mains, and, and he doesn't look that impressive, but I'm always, like, of the mindset, quote-unquote, from Jeff Emig, that he could podium or win a race or – like, I'm just waiting for him to just snap out of this funk and just reestablish himself as a title guy that we talked about. And I mean, he couldn't win the title, but you know what I mean. But I'm starting to, like, like Daytona was fourth again. Was, is it fourth in Daytona? I think it was. Hold on. No, like sixth. Oh, sixth. sixth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a sixth in Daytona and a fourth this weekend. Certainly better, but, man, like, this kid's just off this year. He's just off right now. And, and I think going into outdoors, no one can be like, oh, he's fine. He's fine. We need to worry. His fans need to worry. He, he looked really good in, pra- in practice, I thought. Yeah. His corner speed was off the charts. Um, he's still not very good in the whoops, which has been yeah. every week. Uh, I think that's a huge part of his problems. And, and then the starts are, starts are just bad. I, I don't know what's going on there, but. I really don't think it's going to be an issue when we go outdoors. I think the, the key elements that make him fast outdoors, he has. But he needs to figure out the start thing because he doesn't want to be 15th on the end of the first lap every weekend. So I really don't think it's going to carry over into outdoors. I think you're going to see him up front again in the outdoors. I just think he's got a few flaws in his Supercross game that are, that are holding him back pretty bad. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's time to be worried for J-Mart fan club members. Really? I think were we maybe everyone thought that he would be good and you know, I, I did too, so I can't I can't say anything about it, but were we maybe a little premature in I mean, he had one podium last year in his rookie season and he got hurt, missed the last couple of races. It wasn't like he was totally killing it in Supercross, and I think a lot of the expectations for Supercross were because he did so well second half of the year outdoors. Maybe that was uh unfair to to put that all on him. I mean we expected him to at least make main events for sure, but to, to say he had a couple of good rides toward the end of outdoors, and that makes him a Supercross potential champ, 
maybe it's not quite that simple, but that's the way we all like to try to bow it up there. Were you saying that you were prematurely spraying pump? Yes, it's prematurely spraying pump as opposed to spraying eh. Eh. <laughs> eh. We should have been a little more eh. Maybe some of those people that were saying eh, maybe some of those people should be hailed as geniuses. <laughs> Do you think? I think you spread eh, don't you? Is that more of a spreadable? Yeah, spread it, spray it. Cole Thompson, fifth place, JT. He, he Were you watching him at all? Because there's another guy that needs work in the whoops. But great job for, for Cole. Season best. It was his best race, and I think, as we see from all Canadians, they ride better when they're in Canada. But <laughs> I don't know if I'd go with that. Yeah. Um, okay. I thought he rode well. You know, he, he's definitely not on the pace of the guys on, on the podium. That's for sure. But a top five is certainly respectable, and I think, Going into the season, uh, the Rockstar guys, if, if he told them, yeah, I think I can get top five, they would take that. Right, right. Freeze got a sixth, which is it's been some quiet races for Freeze, but there he sits fifth in the points, uh, Weege. So, solid solid year for Freeze. And he's not really in danger of getting caught. Uh, Cunningham's 14 back. So, Now, it's one of those tough things where Freeze, <clears throat> obviously his reputation was based more on his riding style. Mm-hmm. And his results, but actually in the last year or two, the results have gotten really good. And I was like, gee, I wonder if he's, is he going to get to the point where teams are going to legitimately have to take a look at him results-wise? But No, no, he's, <sighs> he's in that boat. No, with... I, don't, I think, unfortunately, he's just one small notch. Like, we've talked about this a million times, especially in the 250 class. Until you're, like, podiuming, it just gets forgotten about. Fourth no. and fifth and sixth are awesome for points, but it's not getting you on that. LeMoyne, Alex Martin, Freeze, Dakotas, they're effed. They're effed. They are. Nobody's they are. hiring these dudes. No one's going to hire these guys uh, as far as a Geico, Star, Rockstar, nope. or Pro Circuit. No one's hiring no. these guys. Not that they're not is, riding is well because... or they don't deserve it, but no. it's just the way it works. It's the way it works. Is that because in the 250 class this is a developmental class, and so we even see it in the 450s where teams trade on potential? In the 250 class it's even more potential that gets traded? Dean Wilson, baby. Dean Wilson, we can work with speed. Yeah, but if you go, you can work with speed. I mean, somebody like Dakotas, he's got speed. No, doesn't have doesn't have Wilson speed. I guess maybe that was a little crazy for me. Did I get? Did I prematurely spray pump there, JT? I don't want to say. Anything. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really going to okay. agree there. All right, all right. Sorry. You can't win talking about Jimmy D. You just better to back off. Hey, yeah, uh, I mean, unless you want, Mitch should hire him. He would have won the title this year if he was on Mitch's bike. Uh, Mike, Mike Bisheglia, quote unquote, oh. Mike. Uh, four LCQs in six races. I think. How many races do we have? Five, six. We've had six. Four, four LCQs, I think. Dude, it crashes, and then he's got cra- and- like he has crashed on the first lap. I, 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 I promise you, it's more than fifty percent. And of the first laps he's been in. And he's got one fourth. Dude. Yeah. He had it again. He had crashed in the first lap of the main and the heat this weekend. Right. He's just been down. Uh, just I mean, I don't think it's like he's not even riding good. It's just like, like, or he can't handle Supercross. He doesn't look sketchy when you watch him. Yeah. It's just not working right now. No, it's not. It's very, very sketchy. Uh, anything else on 250s? Not sketchy. Not sketchy. Not sketchy, but yeah, just um, one thing I want to bring up: uh, Chris Blose this weekend uh, comes up to Canada, blows his motor like early in the first practice. You know, Weege, he's got this mechanic for a higher thing going on, right? Every weekend. Yes. Well, this weekend he got a a guy. I met him, and I forget his name, and I'm sorry if he's listening. 
he met a guy who wrenched on the, for one of the Allison brothers uh, in Canada. So this guy was all pumped and stoked to be a mechanic, and you know it's working out, and it's a real feel-good story for the mechanic. And Blos gets a very competent guy, and everything else as opposed to like his pizza delivery guy that you know sometimes he can gets. And blows his motor. This guy spends his whole day splitting the motor and taking it apart, taking it out of the frame, and then that's the end of his day. That's it. Just wah, wah, wah. Basically do yeah. all this work for nothing. No glory, no pit board holding or nothing. Yeah, I thought Blows was really inventing, like, the new way of doing things. I thought he was really on to something, but now we've seen the downside. I don't know I mean, how – JT, how would – The innovator no, award. How would no yeah. one have a motor for him, JT? Don't you think someone would have a motor? He said he asked a bunch of people. I don't know. Who? I mean, I mean obviously not. If, you, factory, get, if huh? you have a spare motor, yeah, are you just going to hand it over and then just completely take a chance on you needing it? Because if you need it, you're done. Yeah, I guess. So you need, a, and it's not like factory Honda is going to give you one. We used to keep a spare stock motor in the Yamaha truck. We really did. Well, good for you guys. No, <laughs> I, that's cool. I just don't think that it right. happens that often nowadays. You don't think? I wonder if you asked Antonap or Schmidt. I don't think those guys. Those guys are probably they're lucky to be there. They got an extra foot long. That's about it. I mean, you could jack up the price like water after Katrina or something. Right. right. You want this motor? Well, how much money you got? I just found it. Like, I guess there's not that many Honda 450 teams. I mean, obviously Honda's not going to give him a factory motor, you know, and all that. There's no way. But I, and I understand that it wouldn't even work necessarily in his bike. But I don't know. It's too bad. Bummer. How about the and how, up. and how about the. Blowsed up. You can't get enough of that, Weege. <laughs> that must have been the 20th time you dropped that. Blowsed up. It, like, this mechanic thing, it was, I don't remember what race it was that I talked to him after. He has a guy, he, like, calls a Honda shop, says, hey, do you have any certified Honda mechanics that can work for me this weekend? So a guy had, like, never been to a Supercross ever, and then he's pitboarding a guy in the 450 main event. Right, right. And really, how much work did he probably have to do that day as far as the bike? Yeah, not much, no. Right. Did you know so how to sometimes like that. And sometimes you're splitting cases all day, yeah. and your guy doesn't even get to ride. Yeah, Kevin. He says, uh, "Are you a certified Honda mechanic? And how do you spell breathe?" <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the only two things you need to know. <laughs> Nate Shorty's mechanic this weekend. He had a he had a pit board that just says jaw. Just jaw. JT, any idea? No, actually, I was uh, trying to figure that out as well because I saw that picture and uh, <laughs> right, right. No clue. I mean, I, there there's lots of messages that are like our little inside jokes we have all the time that it probably means something right. very, very simple. But to the outsider, you have no clue what they're talking about. Speaking of inside jokes, how was Houston's on Friday night? JT and Weege, pretty, pretty good time. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> Not going to lie. You felt know, like I got J- a lot of uh, future joke material <laughs> out of it. Had a great time. You know, JT. You know, JT. <laughs> I do know. That was awesome. Uh, did you guys know that Scott – Kevin, did you know that Scott uh, USA makes the best shot ski ever made? <laughs> I heard about this somewhere. Yeah. It was a pre-race pulp cast. They were talking about the shot ski. Oh, did we talk? Oh, I don't maybe know. not making the race. Did we talk about that on the pre-race thing? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. But uh, – yeah. And then the, uh, the, uh, a lady's tip jar will never be the same again. And uh, yeah, lemons or something. Along, along with the limes. The lemons. Right, yeah, the lime. right. Good times, though, to reconnect with Canada, Canadians, JT and Weege. I'm glad you guys came out. The Canadian industry isn't, uh, isn't, isn't what it once was, though. I mean, I feel like, you know, in the, race, the glory days of Racerex Canada, where we poached one Steve Mathis from, mm-hmm. you know, there were quite a few, you know, 
Canadian journalists, media industry peeps, but um, where are those people nowadays? What happened? What happened to Canada media? What happened? No, oh, I got Lisa Moore. I got Big Wave Billy. And that's about it. All right. <laughs> Anderson <laughs> thanks, Cooper. Thanks for coming. Anderson Cooper's not Canadian. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, Peter Jennings is. Wait, I think he died. Was. He was Canadian. Big smoker. Um, God rest his soul. Uh, BTOsports.com, RacerX Podcast, Toronto Wrap-Up, presented by Fox Racing. Kevin Barnett, I hope you had fun. Welcome to the- I did. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Will you bring the volleyball this weekend? I will bring some sort of inflatable object, yes. We can I will bat it around. I will set you up. I don't spike. I don't get off the ground real well. But setting is... is you don't say. Setting, <laughs> setting all day long, bro. All day long I could set that thing. All right, we'll, we'll have a test. Well, there, will, there will be video evidence. Can we do it on Supercross Live? Sure, in studio. We, hey, need, a, we need a booth like Toronto, though. Chances uh, from zero to negative ten that they would ever let me on Supercross Live. <laughs> I thought you'd already been on at this point, no? I, oh, they would never let me on. Uh, no. All right, so, no. You, so you're saying negative ten. Uh, JT, you've been on, right? I've been on a few times. Yeah, a couple times. Yeah. Weege, you, no, you've never been on Weege. That might yeah, be negative twenty. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Maybe be as far down the depth chart as you, but I'm not exactly. Yeah. Who who gets on first, Barnett? Me or Weech? Oh man. That's let's say tough. let's say Holly gets in a car accident or, or a stack of Polaroids falls on him, <laughs> uh, and 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 everyone else, no one else can make it. JT is uh, busy, and Watson's busy, um, and all your other guests. Rollerball is busy. Not who, at the races. He's who back, gets who gets on first? Who gets on first? Weech or I? They're going to Easton's on Friday night, finding that biker Sherlock-looking guy who did all the shots and grabbing him before they get you. The shot ski guy. Shot yeah, biker, getting biker Sherlock gets on. That's who gets on. If I if I wear a big air, if I wear a collared shirt, could I get on? No, you don't even wear pants. You're not professional. <laughs> That's right. You might have to trade in the cargos. I didn't have cargos on this week. Oh no, I did. But last weekend I had just normal shorts. But Kevin, you're avo- you're avoiding the question. I am avoiding the question. I, uh, you know, based on based on what I've heard, scale, I think I'm liking your chances, Steve. Ahead of Wygant. I don't. You know, I just I'm trying to get to the end of this mystery, and I I, yeah, I yeah, can't no, get no. there. You can't do it. It's deeper and deeper, and it's raveled in there. It's like a like a kitten with a ball of yarn. I feel like I need Matlock or Columbo to come and investigate or something. Ah, it's fan- I do like though. All, all jokes aside, uh, the first year of the broadcast is this year three or year two. This is my third, but only the second of live streaming because we okay. didn't have live streaming the first year. The I do like how the first year, the first year, it kind of went from like a bunch of sponsors that pay the series money come on and talk about things, which is fine. I understand you have to do that, but I like how you guys have gone away from that a little bit and actually gotten people like JT or Kenny Watson who, you know, are, have some opinions and are, are you know are into the sport. Yeah, there's a balance there, and I, yeah. I think having those people on is the fun fun part. We have Wyndham who comes on and joins us for a long period of time. We had. Uh, Malcolm come on this past week, and he hung out for an hour watching practice. We had Nick Way last year when he was hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had a, a wide selection of different guests and people, historical people that have come on. You know, the, the throwback race uh, at Anaheim too. They had some some folks come on, and, mm-hmm. and it's it, it is fun to hear that and and to have Jim there with guys that he's raced with, or even guys that he kind of admired when you had uh, you know cars makers and those guys around. 
uh, Anaheim too. That's the fun stuff, and that's how we kind of kill off an hour. I know a lot of people tune in just for the practice and want to see the practice and see the track and what's going on right now, but get some context uh, to what's yeah, going on and, yeah. and hear from riders who've been riding for a long time or maybe guys that are new or maybe legends. And I think that's where the real money is in, in that extra hour there when you're you're at the fridge or whatever, right, you're just right. waiting around for more track action. No, it props to Feld, uh, Feld Motorsports for doing it. I think it's really cool, and it's, you know, people really get a look behind the scenes, and you get to see practice. And I know a lot of people who are glued to their computers and doing it, supercrossonline.com. Just don't expect to see myself or Jason Wygant on there anytime <laughs> soon. Biker Sherlock, though, that's possible. <laughs> We're going to get the Shotsky guy. You're uh, a street luge fan. <laughs> uh, Kevin Barnett, Jason Thomas, Jason Wygant. Thank you guys for joining the Toronto Supercross Wrap-Up. We'll see you all this weekend in St. Louis. Kevin, bring the volleyball. Will do. Thanks, guys. Thanks. See ya. See ya. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts. It's the day.
months and the years go 